As we walk out the journey of life, we each begin to thirst for something more. We want more than just life the way we know it. It's a thirst for more peace, more fulfillment, more purpose. That was God's plan all along. Since the ancient times, he has made promises that he will quench that thirst. And the promises he made long ago are the same promises he has made for us today. All right, if you love your mama, how about the craziest, loudest uh, thank you and, and shout out you could possibly give her this morning? Yeah. Mine's not here, but she'll probably be listening online later in the week. So I love you, mom. Thanks for being a great mom. And uh, did it, be honest, you cried at the end of that video. Come on, tell the truth. You did. That's why we put the other video there to give you a chance to compose yourself before the before we got into the message. So moms, we love you. And I heard somebody say one time, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, all just a bunch of holidays invented by hallmark or the card companies to try to get you to spend money and you know what i say so what what's wrong with having a day to honor the people that impact our lives the most and you ought to spend some money on them so go buy a card and and uh, and some flowers make a make a meal for them uh, my wife made it easy on me she said i want you to stop and get barbecue chicken pizza on the way home from church i said all right baby i can do that <clears throat> and uh here's my inappropriate comment that i'm gonna tell you what my card said that i got my wife for mother's day it said it said I was going to tell you how much I, I, of a great mother you are, how much I love you, but I'm more of a hands-on kind of guy. If you know what I'm saying, that's what my card said. For real, that's what my card said. I like my wife. You know what I'm saying? All right. Happy Mother's Day. Nothing like getting awkward in church. All right. <laughs> if you're not sure what I'm talking about, ask your mama. It's a good day. All right. Good day to have a conversation with her. Well, we are in a series called Four Cups. This is part three of, uh, of that series, and uh, really excited to share with you today. Um, just a little thing going on right after service. We have rented the Mr. Softy ice cream truck. So they will be pulling up to the curb, and, and I, some of you are thinking, what's it cost? And it's no cost to you, all right? He's going to be there for an hour. Yes, you can have seconds or thirds if if your diet allows for that that sort of thing. Knock yourself out. Have fun. He'll be there for an hour. So I'm going to try to preach quickly so that you can get out there and, and enjoy all the ice cream that you could possibly want. Uh, before, I, before I get into the message, real quick, I was hanging out with our lead team last Monday, and one of the things that came up was just um, uh, an idea to encourage everyone who calls True Life Home if you haven't found a place on a life team yet or made it through uh, life track yet, we want to encourage you. Summer is actually a really good time to do that because uh, people vacation, people are away. Um, if you know anything about our church, you know there's a lot of college students that call our church home. A lot of those will go home for the summer. It's already started happening. As some finish finals, they start heading out um, for the summer. And so what that means is you have actually a great opportunity to get to know the leaders on more of a one-on-one -on -one level and, and find an area of ministry that really fits you. We have a whole process to help make sure that you land in the right place. We call it landing in your 10 spot and uh, do the thing that really makes you passionate. And, uh, and so there are opportunities to partner with us all over the church and in our setup teams and our 
teardown crew, the guys that make this transformation happen into a movie theater every week, our, our kids check-in team that makes sure your kids get handed off safely, our teachers that teach in the kids area, always opportunity to grow. And, and here's the thing. Some people think, well, if you get, you know, four or five people in rotation, that's good enough, right? No, we want as many people finding their 10 spot as possible because what that does is it opens up the opportunity for more people to come to church and find Christ. And it opens up the opportunity for people to serve at healthy levels, right? So um, what we have sometimes in some areas is people who serve every single week without much of an opportunity for a break. And uh, what that means is somebody sitting in church being a freeloader because God's called you to be in that area of ministry and you know it and it's in your heart and he's probably convicting you right now and you're getting mad at me and I don't really care that much. <coughs> and somebody else is suffering, waiting for you to answer the call of God on your life. So why don't you do that? You can show up at Life Track tonight, six o'clock. Janelle, didn't she do a great job of baby dedication this morning? Awesome job, Janelle. Uh, she'll be there teaching that class tonight um, that will help you just establish some healthy habits for your life and how to walk with God and Next week, Kristen Brownlee will be teaching 301. It's all about helping you find your 10 spot. So, um, hey, we're going to keep encouraging you. And actually, that's the direction this series goes over the next uh, several weeks. And uh, so we want to invite you to be a part of that. All right. So if you're mad, just remember ice cream. You won't be mad anymore. All right. At the end of March, uh, a group of men from our church, we went down to Jacksonville, Florida for a conference had a lot of fun. And one of the pastors had this thing that he put up on the screen there that was I thought was really funny. We all got a laugh out of it. And I thought it'd be a great way to start Mother's Day with a little bit of laughter. Y'all, y'all, y'all okay with that? Have a little bit of, it's okay to have fun in church. You know that, right? It's all, it's okay. So we're like, yeah, but you just yelled at us. So I'm not really comfortable with this. No, it really is. It's okay to laugh and have fun in church. How many of you have seen, it, it happens even more the further south you go, but you're, you're familiar with churches that have those little marquee signs out front where they put like cute sayings with the letters on them, you know what I'm talking about? And so what, what I was able to get a hold of was a collection, Chris Hodges put this together, of bad church signs, <laughs> bad marquees, and I thought we'd just look at some of them this morning just to get a little laugh, so you got the first one back there? Todd, you got my man there. Okay, listen, look at this. Best sausage supper in St. Louis. Come and eat Pastor Thomas. Just, just eat your pastor. All right. It's kind of twisted. But look at this one. If evolution's true, how come mothers only have two hands? Come on, moms. There's your Mother's Day sign right there. What's the next one, Todd? Look at this. Tired of being a loser? Turn to God. Now, hold on. Now, just stay, stay right there for a second because I, I think this is true. The guy with the job of doing the sign thinks everybody else is a loser. You you know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. All right. If you don't get it, it'll come to you at lunch. Look at this one. Know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. (laughs) Some of y'all are Instagramming that right now. Don't you dare. Look at this one. Uh, Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Look, okay, here's the next one. Welcome, semi annual worshipers. <laughs> that pastor was just grumpy before it even got started. I love it. Look at, here we go. Happy Easter to our Christian friends. Happy Passover to our Jewish friends, to our atheist friends. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Oh, that's not right. Okay, hold on. Now, hold on. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, we well, can go here. All right. 
So do do y'all hear about this one? And I know some, you're like, this is fake, but it doesn't matter. It could be real. It might be. There was these two churches in the South that got in a sign war with each other. Did you hear about this? So it started with this one, this Catholic church. They said, all dogs go to heaven. And the church across the street, they, they said, that's not right. So, so they put up this on their sign. Only humans go to heaven. Read, read the Bible. Little tension building there. So the Catholic church came back on their sign and they said, God loves all his creatures, dogs included. So the, the Presbyterian church, they, they came back with their sign and they said, they said, dogs don't have souls. This is not open for debate. <laughs> so the Catholic church came back and they said, Catholic dogs go to heaven. Presbyterian dogs can talk to their pastor. (laughs) So the Presbyterian church said this. Converting to Catholicism does not magically grant your dog a soul. (laughs) So the Catholic church said free dog souls with conversion. (laughs) I don't think that's how it works. So the Presbyterian church said, dogs are animals. There aren't any rocks in heaven either. So the Catholic church said, all rocks go to heaven. All right. It's okay. It's okay to laugh, right? It's okay to have a little bit of fun in church. I thought that was hilarious. Let me get into the message a little bit. This is part three. (laughs) All dogs go to heaven. Of our six-week series called Four Cups. Hopefully you're not feeling like it's hell when you hear your preacher today. We've been talking about, in this series, the four core promises that God has always wanted to do and accomplish in people's lives. He first revealed these promises during the first Passover. Joel did a great job of breaking down last week. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go get the message. It's on our website. You can download the podcast or you can listen to it on our website. Talking about Christ, our Passover lamb. And so God revealed these promises during the first Passover before he led his people out of Egypt. And during Passover, every year, the Jewish people continue this tradition, this celebration. They get together. They read the four core promises. They call them the four I wills. That God gave them, and then the party really gets good because with each one they reflect on it and then they drink a cup of wine. So, four, that's where we get the name Four Cups. And uh, so, what I want to do is just, I want to refresh that. We've looked at it the last couple of weeks. It comes from Exodus chapter 6, the, the Moses story. If you've spent much time in church, you've probably, or watched the Prince of Egypt, you're familiar with the, the Moses story. But here's the, let's look at the four I wills that God gives us in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. It says, therefore, this is God speaking, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And here's the first one, I will bring you out. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptian. I will free you. That's the second one, the second I will. I will free you from being slaves to them. And a lot of times people think, well, aren't those the same? They, they, they kind of sound, how's bringing them out? different from freeing them. And and here's the best way I know to explain it to you. When we give our hearts to Christ, there's a process of God bringing us out of the bondage and the slavery that we were in to sin 
But then there's a process of getting our old life out of us. And that's where freedom comes. So not only does God want to bring you out of Egypt, but he also wants to get the Egypt out of you. Come on, somebody. All right. So I'll free you from being slaves to them. And here's the third one. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and the mighty acts of judgment. And, and redeeming just means, hey, I'm going to take what I, what I originally had purposed for your life and I'm going to make it a reality. What, what you were really supposed to be from the very beginning, all hope is not lost. Yes, you were a sinner. Yes, you were off track. Yes, you were separated from God. But check it out. The moment you give your heart to Christ and you enter into covenant with him, the moment you receive salvation, he has the ability to take your life, transform it, and put it back on track and redeem you for what he originally called you to do. Come on, that's good news, somebody. Hope is not lost. I will redeem you. And then here's the last one. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And the important thing to notice there is the first three are individual promises. The last one, it changes to more of a group plan. He says, I will, I, will re, I will take you as my own people. Because when God redeems us, he never redeems us just to an individual place. He redeems us to a people, to a community, to a team, to a church family. Then you will know that I'm the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I would just contend this morning that until we understand all four promises, if this is true, he says, then you'll know that I'm God. So, so until we're receiving all four promises and taking advantage of all four promises in our life, I think we can't even really truly know who God is and what he's all about. And I'll bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I'll give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. And what we're going to talk about today is that, that first I will, that I will bring you out. But before we do, I just want to give you a refresher on what the four cups are. Let's talk about being brought out for a second, because I think there's <clears throat> there's a, a, a little bit of bad thinking that has made its way into our hearts and minds. I talk to people about this all the time, and people say, man, I just don't, I don't really know what, what to do with my life. And I'll say, have you, have you considered giving your heart to Christ? Have you considered a relationship with God? And, and they'll say, man, I'm just too messed up. I'd, I'd have to clean my life up so much before I'd ever feel comfortable coming to Jesus. And that's backwards thinking. You don't clean your life up to come to God. You come to God to get your life cleaned up. It, it doesn't work that way. And so I just want to encourage you today. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're sitting here going, I just, there's no way that I could ever get to a place where I really deserve God and I really deserve all that he has for me. No, you, <laughs> on your own, you will never get your life cleaned up enough to be worthy of being with Jesus. But he doesn't work that way. You've got it backwards. You come to him and he'll work through you to get your life cleaned up. God brought them out of Egypt, but still needed to get the slavery out of them. So that, that first cup in your notes here, just, just fill these in as I work through these real quick. That first cup, the cup of sanctification, the first blank in your notes, that is salvation. That is the process of getting into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he says, hey, not only do I have to get you out of Egypt, but I have to get the Egypt out of you. That's the cup of deliverance. And in the blank there, just I want you to write the word freedom, because that's really what, what God wants for you. When you come through that. Now, the problem is that most of us will spend our entire lives stuck at cup two. Just perpetually trying to get free from our old life. And it's because we don't realize that there's a next cup to move forward to. And that's the cup of redemption. And that cup is where God wants you to experience restoration. He wants to restore you back to your original purpose. Here's a statistic I think Joel shared last week. I want to share it again. 87% of Christians never get to that third promise. There's a survey that was done that 
And 87% of people who said they were Christians, that Jesus was living in their heart, also said that they have no idea what they were created for and what their purpose was. So they're stuck, constantly in a battle with their old life, with their old habits, with their old sins, because they don't understand why they're here. That's why our whole church revolves around this process to help you figure out what it is you're here for and get you plugged into it. I think the two best days in your life will will be these two days. Number one is the day you were born, because that's good to be alive. But I think the second most important day in your life is the day you realize what you were born for. Too many of us don't have any idea. And then the last cup, the last promise, the cup of praise is all about fulfillment. Fulfillment. It's about connecting you to a family or a team or a group of people, getting in a small group, getting on a life team, finding a place to do that thing that God redeemed you for and win with other people. Even sociologists agree the highest level of living, check this out, the highest level of living, secular sociologists say, the highest level of living is when you're making a difference on earth. And that's what we want for you. We want people to commit to walking through these steps. Go on a journey with us. Drink from all four cups. And I'm telling you, you're going to find fulfillment at the end. That's what our church really revolves around is helping people move through all four promises. And at the end of it, we think you'll find, get this, it's almost crazy. We think you'll find true life. Not the church, but a way of living. That's why we named the church that. Because that's what we want for you, to find true life. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at that Exodus story a little bit. And as we talk about this cup of sanctification, this this process of God bringing his people out of Egypt. And we're going to use that story to kind of draw some comparisons to where some of us might be who are sitting here today. I, I think there's a very good chance there are some people who are sitting in the room today. And you're a good candidate to drink from the cup of sanctification to find salvation. Maybe you already have. Maybe you've already given your heart to Christ. But... But you've kind of forgotten what God really wanted for you during that process. I'm hoping that today will kind of be like a a breath of fresh air where you go, oh, yeah, that is what God did for me. I need to remember that. I need to be connected to that. I need to keep that near to my heart. So let's start again at Exodus chapter, chapter 6, verse 6. What did God say? He said, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I'll bring you out of bondage. I'll bring you out of slavery. The truth is, some of us in this room today, we're under the yoke of the enemy. We're enslaved. We're in bondage. We're trapped. So I just want to talk to you about how you might be able to know if you're a candidate for drinking from the first cup today. Figuratively, there's no wine today. I'm sorry if you were getting excited. Can he say that? Just, I'm being facetious. It's okay, church. It's all right. So here's the first one. What was happening to the Egyptians, or I'm sorry, to the Israelites? What, were, what was the Egyptian Pharaoh? Remember, Pharaoh got nervous. The Israelite people were exploding in population. So there was this fear that they would begin to take over. So what did he do? He said, I'm going to make life as hard as possible on them. And there's a few things that started to happen in their slavery. Here's the first one. They were forced as slaves To make bricks. And so what was actually, many of the things that we see in Egypt, the the wonders of the world, the pyramids, it's 
very, 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 very likely that most everything that people go to Egypt to see was built by the Israelites while they were slaves there. In fact, we can see it in Egyptian history that their population, we don't even have to go to the Bible, it's in Egyptian history that, that, the, that the population of the Israelites was exploding and that the Pharaoh was becoming fearful of what would happen. And so they were forced into slavery. And here's, I just looked up what slavery means. And I don't, I don't want to go to the blank in your, in your notes just yet, but I want to talk about what slavery means. And this is straight out of Webster's Dictionary. It says, it's any time we're submitted to a dominating influence. See, a lot of us, we hear the word slavery and we, we think of a lot of other things. But some of us today are slaves and we're not even aware of what's going on. It's any time that in our lives we are submitted to a dominated, dominating influence and we don't even want to be there. You, you could say it this way. It's like living a life you feel forced to live even though you don't want to. And some of us are there. It's like we're, we're just living this life. We're going through these motions. We're repeating these patterns. And we don't even want to be there. We don't even like it, but it just feels like there's no other option. And when I talk to people about this, the, the thing I hear the most of this say, I just feel so stuck. I don't feel like there's anywhere for me to go. And in your notes, you can write the, in the blank there, we would call that just being enslaved. Forced as slaves to make bricks. The Israelites were enslaved. And before we come into relationship with Christ, this is where we are. We're slaves. John 8.35 in the message says it this way. A slave is a transient who can't come and go at will. The son, though, has an established position, the run of the house. Come on, somebody. So if the son sets you free, you are free through and through. And that's what God wants for us. He wants to take us from slavery to freedom. And a lot of times when I talk with people, I'll say, are you a believer are you a Christian? And the, the response, it almost, I, I, you'd think after all these years it wouldn't surprise me anymore, but it still does. Because almost every time people will say, oh yeah, I go to church. That's not what I asked. I didn't ask if you had a relationship with a church. I asked if you had a relationship with Jesus. Because the church can't bring you freedom. The church can play a role. The church definitely plays a role in finding fulfillment. But the church can't bring you freedom. Only Jesus can do that. Salvation isn't for people who want to go to church more. It's for people who don't want to be slaves anymore. That was good preaching. You should have amen to that. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to give you another chance. A chance to redeem yourself. All right, here you go. Salvation isn't for people who want to go to church more. It's for people who don't want to be slaves anymore. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to turn you all into a shouting church one way or the other. It's going to happen. Here's the second thing that was happening. There was, Joel did a great job again talking about this last week. There was the murder of babies going on. So Pharaoh decides to make, Life as hard as possible on the Israelites. And when that wasn't enough, he decided to kill every firstborn of the Israelites. And here's the thing that about the, the killing of the babies. Here's what it represents in Scripture. What Pharaoh was trying to do is he was trying to stamp out the potential that lived in the Israelites. See, if those babies were to continue being born, their numbers would have grown and they absolutely would have been more than the Egyptians could handle. 
So what Pharaoh did is he tried to kill the potential. And what the enemy's trick is today, he's still at it. That's why, that's why he's trying to actively kill babies in our country right now today. You know why? Because there's potential there. And what the enemy of our soul wants to do is he wants to stamp out the potential. Some of us in our lives, we're at a place right now where maybe it doesn't have anything to do with a baby, but the enemy has successfully gotten you to a place where you don't know why you were created, what your life is for, and you don't see any potential in yourself at all. And so you're frozen, you're stuck. And when, there, when, when that's happening, you feel empty. You feel empty because you can't find any potential. Many of us, have some potential that we sense is there, but it's been blocked and life just feels like you're going through the motions. Well, secretly on the inside, you're dying. You're dying. So you feel enslaved. You feel empty. The other thing that Pharaoh did is he, he said, okay, not only are you going to work 12 hour shifts, you're going to get up sun up to sundown. We're going to work you as slaves. But before your shift actually starts, you have to go gather the materials that you need to do the job. That was the next layer. He just kept layering things on top of them to try to weigh them down. They had to, he required them to collect their own straw. In an effort to make the Israelites feel spent and worn out. And if this is you today and you're a candidate possibly to drink from the first cup, you're feeling empty. You're feeling stuck and enslaved. And this last one, you're feeling exhausted. You're feeling exhausted. And if that's you today, you say, you know what? That that is me. I just, I feel exhausted. My life is just where I'm spent. There's nothing left. And and here's what culture will teach us. Well, you just need to get away, right? You just need to change the scenery. You need to take a break. You need to, if you just move to a new city, that'll fix it. If you, if you just get that new job, that new promotion and, or maybe it's the new relationship or the, the new boyfriend, the new girlfriend. But here's the problem. Everywhere you go, there you are. And all your baggage comes with you. It's all going to follow you there. And what the enemy wants to do is get you to the place where you feel spent and exhausted. How do I know? How do I know if it's just a time issue, a time management issue, or a spiritual issue? The best way to know is you take that vacation, you take the break, you take the day off. And you still feel spent and exhausted. There's probably more going on. You say, Michael, that those three things, man, feeling enslaved, feeling empty, feeling exhausted, feeling spent. Those almost sound like like some of the things that that people would get diagnosed with depression for. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's depressing to live life without Christ. It's absolutely depressing to live life without Christ. And I, I'm a believer in clinical depression. I think there's a time and a place for, for medicine and doctors and all those things. But I, th- I think it's possible far too many people are taking a pill when they sh- just needed to pray a prayer and receive Christ into their life and get saved. Drink from the cup of sanctification. Come on, somebody. So God doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want us feeling enslaved. He doesn't want us feeling empty. He doesn't want us feeling exhausted. What he wants us to do is drink from the cup of sanctification. John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have what? Life and have it to the full. The final promise, the final cup is fulfillment. And what I would say to you today is that if you aren't experiencing fulfillment 
you need to make sure you're drinking from all four cups. Because that's what God wants for you. Jesus said, I want you to have life to the full. It's one of my favorite scriptures. We use it all the time around here. Because I believe it. It's what Jesus wants for us. Look at Romans 8, 11. I love this. The Spirit of God. I'm just going gonna, gonna to read it slowly because I want you to think about what Paul is saying here. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Now just stop there. Think about the power and the energy that it must have taken to bring a dead man back to life. Just, just think about what that must take. And then read the next few words. Lives in you. What? And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living where? Within you. I like the way the message says it. Romans 8, 11 in the message. It stands to reason, doesn't it? This is for you intellectual types. That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life with his spirit living in you. Your body will be as alive as Christ. You know what I'm praying God will do in you today and what God will do in our church through this series is, is I really just hope that it kind of becomes an extension of the Easter holiday. We just celebrated a few weeks ago. But here, here's what I'm seeing in that scripture, that, that Easter isn't something that we're supposed to celebrate. It's something that we ought to experience. We should experience, every single time we think about what Christ did for us, man, we should, the power that brought him out of the grave is in me. What? How does that work? I don't know, but it feels good. feels awesome. And it's available to us. And every day, man, we can experience an Easter in our lives. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life. And have everything. Come on, say everything. Everything to live. But, but I, feel, I feel enslaved. I feel trapped. I feel empty. I feel exhausted. Then you need to drink from the cup of sanctification. Because the Bible says when you do that, you have everything to live for. Including a future in heaven. And that future starts when? Now. Now. So this is the offer. God said, first cup, Exodus 6, 6, I'll bring you out. You feel enslaved? You feel empty? Just last week I had a, a, a brief conversation with a guy. I wake up every morning feeling empty. And I don't know why. I said, you really want to know why? He said, yeah. I said, call me. He didn't call me. We're going we're gonna to keep going. Because you, you really want to know why? It's because you're looking for all the answers in the wrong place. And Jesus is just saying, hey, come on. Just drink from the cup of salvation. Just receive it. Free gift. Let grace come to life in you. You say, Michael, you're, you're a preacher. You're... You're supposed to say that. Okay. You're right. But here's what I would encourage you to think about. Here's what I would encourage you to do. 
for, for a little over two years now, we've been gathering as a church. And here's what I want you to understand. Don't, don't look around and try to figure out who's who here. But you say you're a preacher. You're supposed to say that. Okay, fine. But it's not a gimmick. This room is full of people who a couple years ago hadn't drank from that cup. This room is full of people who left their spiritual Egypt over the last couple of years. Some of their stories we've put on the video screen. There are people in our church who were drug addicts. There are people in our church who've been through abortion. There are people in our church who were adulterers. There are people in our church who, when they came here, were a little gun-shy because things didn't go so well at the last church. Somebody let them down. Somebody said something. Somebody hurt them. There are people in this church who are liars. There are people in this church who are thieves. There are people in this church who've dealt with same-sex attraction. And I'm just here to tell you, it's not a gimmick. It really is what God wants for you. Because every single one of those people are people who would look you in the eye and say, I left Egypt. I've walked out of there. And what God has for me is better than everything that I left behind. I was a slave. I was a slave once. You know what I I know about the time that I was a slave? (laughs) Nobody likes admitting that they're the slave. The enemy loves to use condemnation. The enemy loves to use guilt. The enemy loves to use shame. And most of us don't want to admit that we're slaves. Most of us don't want to admit that we're living a life that we weren't supposed to live. I've seen people take to social media as if screaming louder that that their life is okay somehow quiets the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of them saying that it's not. Most of us don't even know how we got there. How, how, that's, so we are, we are we're enslaved, we're empty, and we're exhausted. And for those of us who are there, we don't even know how we got there. How did it happen? Maybe somebody let you down. Maybe somebody hurt you. Maybe you've been compounding bad choices on top of each other. But you know, the real question isn't how we got there. The real question is, how do we get out? How do we drink from the cup of sanctification and get out of Egypt? Come on, how many... How many want to live free and out of Egypt for the... You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, a, it's a good place to be. I don't want to be there anymore. That's the real question. How do I get out? If God really wants to save me, what's my role? What's my role? And here's what I used to think when I was a slave. Because I grew up going to church and I had a great relationship with my church, but I didn't have a great relationship with Je- I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I thought my relationship with the church was my relationship with Jesus. In fact, a lot of us have this backwards. We think that our relationship with Jesus is an outflow of our relationship with church, and that's not how it works. Our relationship with the church is an outflow of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So I didn't even, I just thought that that if I wanted to get out of this feeling of slavery, then what I had to do was go to church more. What I had to do was read my Bible more. What I had to do was, maybe you think, if I just, if I just, it's like the, the lie of penance has, has, has crept into Christian theology. If I, just, if, if I just give a little bit more money to a charity, that'll get the guilt off of me about the fact that I'm not pursuing who I'm really supposed to be. And listen, that's not how it works. 
It's not how it works. I don't think any of those things can get you out of Egypt. They might play a role, but only Jesus Christ can take you out of Egypt. Come on, somebody. He's the only one that can do it. The Bible gives us a few steps. They're very clear. I'm going to give them to you, and then we're going to eat ice cream, everybody. Here's the first one. Make the move. Repent. Say, I'm a slave. I'm in Egypt. I haven't drank from the cup of sanctification. I haven't drunk from the cup of salvation. You know where you need to start? Repent. Now, repent is one of those big churchy words that a lot of people go, eee, that doesn't sound good. But you know what repent actually means? It just simply means to change direction. It means to, hey, I was walking this way, doing my life my way, and then I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, and I gave my heart to him, and he told me to go this way, so I did. That's repenting. It's a change in direction. Why do we do it? The reason we do everything that we do here on a Sunday morning, the reason someone invited you, or the reason why we keep getting on stage saying, hey, you should invite someone to church, is because Sunday morning for us is really all about getting people to drink from the first cup. That's really what we want to see happen. We want to see as many people as possible change direction and give their hearts to Christ. We believe we need to help as many people as possible take this step. Come on, somebody. Hey, like that ought to be like the craziest, especially my team, my leaders. This is why we do Sunday morning. So as many people as possible can drink from the first cup. Come on. You believe that? That's why we're here. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 and 18. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourself from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. And I'll be your father and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord. Almighty, repent. Here's the second step. Let it go. What do you mean? I mean surrender. Surrender. If you were here on Easter, we showed this great video, a girl in our church named Jasmine, and I love one of the things she says in there, that I was so afraid to really let go of my old life because what if all this stuff that I saw everybody else having that had relationship with Jesus, what if I let go of my old life and I never really got that? And then, and she says, but you find out that's not how it works. You get everything you thought you were going to get and more. But it requires surrender. My, my son is 14 months right now. Oh my gosh. 14 months. What an age. I mean, my daughter was just a different speed, you know? It was like, hey, Sarah, no, no. Okay, Daddy. I mean, it was, but Ben? No, no. <laughs> you don't really mean that, Daddy. No, Ben. I mean, he just, <laughs> it's going to be different with this one. I can tell. No, I mean, he's too young to tell that yet, but but he is a different speed, man. Climbing on everything, pulling on everything. I mean, we child-proofed our, our entertainment center so that he couldn't, you know, get in there and break stuff. He figured out his arm fits through the crack. So he's like grabbing DVDs. Just He's like, I can still do what I did when the door opened all the way. 
Y'all thought you were smart. I'm smarter. That's my son right now. But what I found is, and uh, we're, we're helping my daughter understand this, because he'll get into something or he'll grab something that he's not supposed to have, right? And he's walking around with it. And, and my daughter, she's trying to help. She'll walk over and she'll say, no, no, Ben, and she'll take it. And guess what happens? Ah! I mean, just like, it's, it's like screaming bloody. You took, it doesn't even matter what it was. If it's in his hand, it's important to him. And so she'll just be like, Poof. so what we've been saying is, hey, if you offer him something that looks better, he'll let go of the thing you want to take away from him. And I think a lot of times what happens in our, our walk with Christ is he's saying to us, hey, why don't you let go of that? Why don't you surrender that? And we're just <laughs> death gripping on something in our life. I'm not letting go of this. I like it right now. This is mine. And we have this fear that God's going to come along and like rip it out of our hands. And actually, that's not how God works. What he's doing is he's standing there with a better offer. But he'll never rip it out of your hand. And I actually love watching my son do it. Because he'll have, he loves the remote, man. That's like the ultimate win is if he got to the remote. So he's got the remote. And I'm like, oh, you got the remote? Look, I got a sippy cup full of milk. He's like, trucking it for the milk. And that's how God works. That's how surrender works. He doesn't want to pry it from our hands. He's waiting for you to offer it. And the moment you offer whatever that thing is, he wants to replace it with something better. Mark eight thirty four. anyone who intends to come with me, this is Jesus speaking, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat, I am. Don't run from suffering, embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. <laughs> Some of you are think, wondering if you can take that book back right now. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving yourself, your true self. Let it go. Surrender. And here's the last one. Commit your life. Commit your life. Get into relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what happens when we drink from the cup of sanctification? What we're really doing is we're changing the allegiance of our heart. We're saying, hey, I used to be loyal to myself. I used to be loyal to my way of living, to my way of doing things. I used to be loyal to this set of choices. But, but Jesus, I'm inviting you into my heart and I'm going to change the allegiance of my heart. And now I want to be loyal to what you want to do with my life. And if you do that, if you drink from the first cup, it opens up the door for you to take an incredible journey. And that's what I'm inviting you to do with us over the next several weeks, because we're going to look at the next three cups. And come on, I, I think it's already happening in, in our church of uh, on Easter. There were 164 people here. We talked this last Monday. Um, our roster of people who serve on a life team is over 70 people. Those, those percentages are insanely good for a church. Like most people have that saying that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's not the case here. Why? Because we're committed to making sure people drink from all four cups. The best life you'll ever live is the life when you're connected in community with others, doing something that has eternal value, doing something that matters. 
that's what we want for people. It's not, you know, it's really not about, I, mean, I, I love what these guys do. That we have cool music. It's cool being in a movie theater, all these fun things. But you know, it's really not about that. Like God, if he wanted to, God could accomplish the same thing if all we had was a megaphone and four promises. And we just keep moving people through the promises. Helping them find fulfillment. That's that's what we're here to do. So over the next three weeks, we're going to break down the next three cups. And I want you to go on the journey with us. I want you to go on the journey with us. We're going to understand what deliverance... Deliverance isn't... Deliverance isn't weird. It's not for demons. Deliverance is for people who want to stop living their old habits in their old life. There's a spiritual component to that. But it's not all spooky and and weird and just God wants you to live a life of freedom we're going to understand what it means to be restored and redeemed to our original purpose we're going to understand what it means to live fulfilling lives go on the journey with us but first for some of us in the room today we need to drink from the first cup you need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ would you close your eyes every person in this room and I want you to listen to this with every head bowed, every head closed, I want you to listen to this scripture that I'm going to read to you. It comes from Romans chapter 6, verse 19. Paul said, Because of the weakness of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now... You must give yourselves, you see the switch, to be slaves to righteous living so that you'll become holy. Some of the, the, the slavery that we've lived in, it was forced. We never wanted it. The offer today is that you can choose to step into a new life where you willingly offer yourself to serve the kingdom of Christ and do whatever he wants in your life. Nothing's forced from this point on. It's an offer. The first slavery was forced. This one you can enter into willingly. So if you're here today, you'd say, Michael, I've never drank from that cup. I have never invited Jesus Christ to live in my heart. I am not in a relationship with him today. And I want salvation. And I want to go on this journey with you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you or do anything like that. But I do want to know that you're here. Would you just real quickly just hold your hand up and say, that's me. I want to drink from that cup. I want to drink from that cup. See it. Anyone else? I want to drink from that cup. Just a little wave. That's all you need to do. Anyone else? Awesome. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Keep your head bowed and keep your eyes closed. In a second, we're going to pray a prayer. When we're done, I'm going to ask you to grab that connection card next to you and give us your name and at least your email address and just check the box that says, I'm committing my life to Christ today. We want to send you an email with some simple instructions that will help you get started off on the right foot in your relationship with Jesus. That's all we want to do. Come to Life Track tonight. Man, the, the habits you'll learn tonight will help you 
help you have a healthy relationship with Jesus. Our whole church is going to repeat this prayer after me. It's our way of welcoming you into the family of God. Would you just, everybody, can we, can we just say this prayer together? Say, dear Jesus, I need you to be my Savior. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins, my past, all my mistakes. I commit my life to you. I repent of doing my life my way. And I turn to doing life your way. I surrender. I let go of everything I'm holding on to. And I commit to being in a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, church. Can we thank God for... Man, I hope this helped you today. And even if you're at that place where you're you're going, man, I've given my heart to Christ, but it just, I kind of forgot what he did for me. I hope that, I hope like a breath of fresh air, man, that you remember today. And next week's going to be great. We're going to talk about the cup of deliverance. And there's, I, I just think this is where most of us are. We're living in this place where... We have a relationship with Jesus and we do, we really do want to get life right, but we just feel like our habits and our old life have this grip and this hold on us that we can't get rid of. And and next week I'm going to tell you how to get free and live free. Come on, are you excited about that? It's going to be good.